Have a seat. Good morning, uh, Relentless Church. We opened this series the week after Easter, FOMO, Fear of Missing Out, and we said that our prayer and belief and hope was that it could be a life-altering series that would have impacts and ripples long after we leave this series. And we've seen that happen in three short weeks and just some beautiful um, conversations, questions, uh, doubts, and uh, working through what might this look like for me and, and my life. Um, we also started a small group that we hope you heard about if you've been around. It's a, it's a one big group, actually, that meets in this room that we break into small groups, and that la- started this last Tuesday. And it's just a few weeks, and we had a blast. Um, we came in here, and, and we ran out of time in a hurry, and it was just great discussion. And there was, I already seen this morning, there was some of you that have never come to church on Sunday morning and called anybody by name, and somebody knew your name today because of Tuesday night. So um, it was kind of wild, and it was kind of... Um, uh, you know, figure it out as we go, and it was beautiful. So I'm inviting you, uh, Tuesday night, 6.30. Uh, you don't even have to sign up. We'd love for you to. Uh, you have to if you're going to need child care. we got to know about that in advance. But uh, all this small group is is just a discussion of what we're talking about on Sunday because Sunday morning, uh, the Scripture calls it the foolishness of preaching. You know, one flawed human talking, and you guys sitting there looking at me and listening, and there's value in that, and God speaks to that. We've seen it over and over again. Uh, but there's next level value in dialogue and uh, back and forth. So that's what Tuesday night is, and you can come right in here, 6.30 to 7.45, and join us if you like. Instead of recapping where we've been, I'm just going to pick up. We, all that stuff is online for you if you want to uh, listen or recap or maybe need a refresher of how God's spoken to us, but to to give you a quick, quick, quick summary, just so we don't start right in Genesis 4, we've just been looking at these first humans and and their beautiful situation and how Satan always tries to paint God as more restrictive than he actually is, and it tells us so much about God, that in the original paradise and Eden that was, there was only one command, and he was with them, and it was wonderful, Um, and the combination of Eve and Adam and And the tempter saying, did God really say, and how God, or how Satan still today comes with that same question, did God really say, uh, to start messing with our heads? And that led to her taking the fruit and and all that came from it. Last week, we talked about the shame and and how shame is never from God and how they wanted to hide from God and um, that that whole interaction. So today, we'll just pick up with what comes next in Genesis 4, verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, and in Scripture, when it says knew, it's, it's not just know. This is a, a reference, um, as you see, to his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. So it was a reference to the pregnancy, and she said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. So Genesis 4, motherhood is born. We have our first pregnancy, our first birth, two births, and... Um, Obviously, we are so blessed at Relentless Church, um, not just with Relentless Mothers, but with Relentless Women. And um, we, uh, we like to say on Mother's Day that this is a celebrative day and a celebratory day, and we step into that, and we don't want anybody doing anything but smiling and being thankful if that's where you're at. But we acknowledge, and we want to acknowledge out loud that there's women in our church um, that, uh, that are, or, or not just women, there's men and a lot of folks that are, it's a little bit of heavy day or a lot of bit of heavy day. Some of you like me, whose mother is no longer here with us. Uh, there's, there's some mixed emotions to that. Some of folks in our church that have walked uh, through the challenge of infertility and prayed and wanted to be a mother and God has not 
yet answered that prayer. So, so we acknowledge all that's in the room, the happy and the heavy and the in-between. Uh, but we are so blessed at this church uh, with amazing um, women, amazing mothers, grandmothers, aunts, all of that. So we honor you and, and thank you. And it's been a special time for our staff. You know, I talk and brag on our staff because they should be talked and bragged about. We're a small staff, right? There's five of us. Um, and just in that, you'll hear from Takesha here at the end of the service. The, the other three, it's just been, uh, we, we're, we're adding, we're building the church, right? Just through kids right and left. In the last, in the last six months, um, we've, we've added five, five kids to our staff families, right? So uh, Raph and Misty, so we honor Misty um, on her Mother's Day, uh, adopted last fall and then gave birth to another one um, in February. Seth and Stephanie just had a baby in February as well. And then Joy, which I have not told you about, uh, Joy Bay, our women's pastor, uh, has shared this even from stage, just the surrender and feeling like through the last few years, God taking her one step, one step, one step towards fostering and going through the classes and, and all of that. Well, as of a week ago, Wednesday, uh, uh, two uh, precious children were brought to her, and this is her first Mother's Day as a foster mom, and she's in the service today. So a three-year-old uh, young lady and an eight-month-old boy that we are just so excited to, um, to be a part of what God's doing there. So there's a lot, there's a lot. Uh, we, we have a lot of expecting uh, women in our church. We have some, some babies we're going to dedicate at the end of the service. You're like, oh, I, I wish I'd, you know, we're going to, we got so many babies. This isn't the right phrase. Can I say in the pipeline? Is that all right? We got, <laughs> Um, we, got, we got babies in the pipeline and, and some babies just born. All that. So there is another baby dedication we're already planning for the, for the winter, six, seven, eight months from now. So you can talk to Takesha or Raph uh, to get in on that. So, so Eve was our first mom. She has two kids, right? Cain, Abel. Let's continue. Verse three. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. All right, so this is a little different. We, we spent that time behind the curtain in, in that series in the temple worship. And this, this is not temple, that none of this is before any of that. We just see Cain and Abel are born and then they skip a bunch of time in, in, the, in the old ancient way of writing. They didn't always write things chronologically. So now they're, they're grown and now they're bringing offerings. Why are they bringing offerings? Right, because when we think of offerings in the Old Testament, some of us will think of sin offerings. And that's not what this was. This original offering was not a sin offering. It was, a, it was about fellowship much more than it was about forgiveness. Somewhere along the line, God had communicated to these two men, it is valuable to me. It means something to me when you give what's important to you back to me. God didn't need it, right? He didn't need fat portions, right? He didn't need, right, uh, these, these two offerings, but he desired it because of what it communicated then and, and even what it communicates now. So this was, you know, the early, early, early infant stage of what we would now call offering, right? So, so I, I just want to say this. This is not a money message or a money series, although we're not, Jesus talked about money all the time, so we're not afraid to talk about it. When we started this church, there's some people that I trusted and respected that said, you're not going to make it for one reason. It wasn't our theology. It wasn't our gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnicity. It wasn't because we were meeting in a theater. They looked me in the eye and said, you won't make it because you're not taking offering, 
right? And me and probably some of my flesh was like, oh, that sounds like a challenge, right? But we, we didn't take an offering for, for a lot of reasons, right? Because we, you know, um, things are changing in the world and cash and all that. Um, but also because we're a church for the untold, unconvinced, and we know the gospel is offensive. We know that the idea that you can't get to God, you're not ever going to be God, you're not good enough to, to earn God's approval, that, that we can't get to him, and he came to us through Jesus, right? That, that your, your whole point of your life is just to surrender and quit trying to impress and instead just, just allow him to be uh, your God and your Savior and all those things. So we, we know that's offensive. We don't want to offend with all the other stuff. So there's a lot of folks that have been in crazy situations in churches, and they got the idea, right or wrong, sometimes right, sometimes maybe not, they only want one thing from me, and that's my money, right? So it was an easy thing for us to say, you know what? Let's not stop church every single week, have somebody different come up and try to creatively say the same thing, give us your money, right? And then go back to worship, right? So we, that, not, uh, that sounded bad. That's fine for churches that do that. But for us, we just said, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna, the people that, you know, are, committed to relentless, like, yeah, we're going to tell them how to do that. Most people give online. And, and I just want to say in this moment, um, since it's in the text here of offering, thank you. Like, you guys have been amazing. I have uh, pastor friends in the area, and we talk. We all have common, common issues in the pandemic. It's been really hard, uh, not just on pastors, on churches, on, on a lot of occupations. Um, and one thing that, that God has just blessed us is we have not had to have meetings about how are we going to pay our bills. Um, we uh, did better financially in 2021 than we did in 2020. We're on track to do better in 2022 than we did in 2021. And that's because the generosity of this church. And it matters, right? We, we're not having meetings about how to pay our rent or how to continue to do ministry or support Lost Sheep or Hand of Hope or pay our staff. Like we have been super blessed. And there's an old school thing, and then I'll get off this, the old school thing in church of you know, pastor, don't tell them when it's okay, right? If you tell them that things are okay, then they'll stop giving. And like, that's so warped, right? Like things are not okay. Things are good, right? And, and why do you give? It goes back to Canada. You don't give because, oh no, I forgot to take my grain offering to God. Oh, and he, it's, it's due at five. Oh, I better run it like so I don't get in trouble, right? The, the beauty is there's nothing better. And when you're tight with him and whatever is yours is his, and you know that he's called us to sacrificially give to fund something that'll last beyond ourselves to fund the work of Jesus and his church, that's a get to. And, and we preached that in the early days of Relentless, but to see a group of people like really look at their money as a weapon to do good and to change lives and to enjoy sacrificial giving, like it has been um, a huge blessing to see and be a part of. So I wanted you to know that. I want you to know we're, we're doing okay too. So uh, the next sentence of that verse says, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. All right, so this is a little bit it's a little bit messed up, right? They both brought offering. Some people thought, well, because Abel brought, you know, blood and, and an animal like that, and, and, and Cain just bought some fruit, right? That, that's not the difference. That's, they were just giving what they worked with, right? What they had. Here, here was the idea. God, from the very beginning, as I bless you, right? Some, some people still think that they are the reason that they can earn money, as I bless you with the ability to work the ground, uh, to sell, to teach, to whatever you do, because that, 
That is, that is a blessing to breathe. It's a blessing to be able to work and provide. As I bless you with money, I want you to recognize the source of that and return back to me. In our context, 21st century, then to go and, and help the ministry of Jesus happen. Right? So as I bless you, so, so Cain was being blessed with the fruit of the ground. He was a farmer. So of course, he's going to bring some stuff from, from, from his farming. Uh, Abel was a shepherd, so he was going to bring something from, from that. So that, that wasn't the issue of why God would, because that's a harsh sentence. He had regard, he, had, he basically had love for Abel's offering, but not really for Cain's, right? So that's not the problem. You know, Abel brought from a lamb, and this isn't the reason that God said what he had said, but it is kind of cool to think about, because, you know, we've been talking, we talked a lot Tuesday night about our confidence level that the scripture is it from man or from God because man that that really is foundational for everything else in life and um, you know as you think about God and and this story of scripture and how could he take these authors from different generations different centuries different languages different places that did not know each other and still write one consistent story how cool is it I don't know if you ever thought about this I hadn't until getting into this message Abel brought one lamb one sheep, right? And it was for him, one lamb for Abel, right? Not that long, a few generations after this, right? The, the story that we talked about where they're in Egypt, the 10th plague and the death angels coming to kill all the firstborn because Pharaoh won't listen uh, to Moses and let the people go. And it says, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, right? And that saved them, right? It became known as the Passover. The death angel would pass over your house. So it was one lamb's blood saved the family. So Abel, it was for the man. Then, then uh, in, you know, in Egypt, it was blood for the family. And then happened the day of atonement behind the curtain, the whole series of coming into the inner place, the Holy of Holies, where the high priest once a year, and he would sprinkle blood of the lamb for the nation, right? So you have Abel just for himself. And then you have each family putting blood of the lamb to, to save the family. And then you have the day of atonement where the priest would come and put blood in on, on behalf of the nation of Israel, lamb, lamb, lamb. And then fast forward thousand years and we have this uh, beautiful scripture in John 1:29. the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world right a man a family a nation all of it was foreshadowing set up for Jesus to come and break all barriers it's not about a nation it's not about a family it's not about a person it's about the world now a lamb sacrifice. So that's what Abel was doing, but that still doesn't explain why he's talking this way to Cain and Abel and the difference in their sacrifices. Here's what we can figure out that doesn't tell us in Genesis, but we get some help later on in Scripture. Connected. Remember, there was no, um, this was not a sin offering. This wasn't to atone for sins. This was a fellowship offering. This was, I am tight with God. I love God. I honor God. I worship God. This was connected to faith, right? How much I trust God. It's, it's the difference in what we sang right there. Uh, there's nothing better than you versus I believe in God, right? They both believed in God. A lot of people believe in God. We say it all the time. Believing in God ain't worth much, right? God doesn't call you to believe in him. He doesn't get excited about you believing in him. He gets excited about you trusting him. And there must have been a difference in the hearts of these two men for God to respond, like he did with regard for one offering and a lack of regard for another. We do get some help way later in Hebrews 
when it's talking about this famous Hebrews 11 faith chapter, and it mentions Abel, Hebrews 11:4, by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. But by faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. So by faith Abel brought a, God, uh, brought a better offering. Right, that's rude, right? Both, like let's, let's take up for Cain for a second. Right? I brought something. Right? I didn't bring nothing. A lot of people out there just doing their thing and, and, and they're not even thinking about, like, I did what I was supposed to do. Right? I'm supposed to, when I gain fruit, when I you know, harvest from the ground, I'm supposed to fellowship by bringing some of that back to God. I did that. Right? What, what more do you want from me? It's the difference on this day. And, and, and oh man, I hate to say this because. I don't, I don't want to call anybody out, but it's a difference this day in, in Mother's Day gifts, right? It's the difference between I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a card, right, and I'm going to sign it. I did it. I didn't ignore. I didn't forget. Mother's Day, box checked. Woo. And most of our gracious mothers will say, thank you, Right? A few of them will put it in a scrapbook. Most of them will throw it away a few days later, right? <laughs> the difference between a Mother's Day card that was, hey, I should do something I did versus a Mother's Day card that's got some heart in it, some creativity, some time. You know that Mother's Day card, right? That, and mama's wiping her eyes, right? That's the goal, right? When mama gets a little tear, you know you did it. You did well, right? They both brought a card, Right? One, it's not about how much it costs. One had some heart in it. One of them was an expression of the love. I'm recognizing who you are. I'm recognizing what you've done. I, and in their context, it's, it's worship. Like, you, I couldn't walk without you. You created me. You know me. You allow me. You're, you love me. It was built on love. Like, I, I'm sensing and I'm with that. And I want to give you my best. If, if we go back. Um, Jackson, if we can go back um, to verse 3, right? It says, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, right? So it doesn't give us any detail. It just tells us it's the fruit of the ground, right? But, but an Abel, maybe we can't go back to verse 3, but I'll take my word for it. Abel brought the firstborn of the flock and the fat portion. So there's, there we go. There, there's there's details given on one and not the other, right? It's not because one brought grain and one brought an animal. It's one because one brought with some heart and with some value, like the fat portion of the sheep in that day, like that was, like, that was the stuff, right? That was, that, was, that was the stuff you saved to the end. And it, like, I, I, when you get a plate of food, like some of you mix your food together and that's a, that's a sin, right? But you, you, smart people, like they put it in sections and I always eat the good stuff first and the best stuff last, the stuff, right? Like that's what I want to, I want to taste that the very last thing. In fact, I won't tell second service this because what you don't know is between services, I have dear people staff, my wife and say, Hey, don't say that second service. This will be one of those things. They say, don't say that second service. Something when I was younger, not anymore. When I was younger, when I ate crab legs, I would purposely I love crap legs. I would purposely not wash my hands at night before bed so I could sleep and just smell. <laughs> you know, see, that's one of the things that we won't say, second service. 
I got myself, I don't even know what I was talking about now. <laughs> you, know, you know the difference in something um, that has heart in it. That's, that's the fat, that's what I was saying, the fat portion. That was a special, right? So, so it was obvious to God that one guy did what I'm supposed to do, low bar, and one guy, like, man, this, this is something that I would love to have for myself, but I want to give it to you, God, in, in worship and in faith. So let's go pick back up. The next sentence says, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. Right, Cain just got called out. So that's, a tough, that's a tough moment. I gave my offering, so did my brother, and God's like, yes, not so much. And Cain's mad about it, right? It's an interesting, it's an interesting emotional reaction when you know that, that you didn't give God your best and God says it, and his reaction is not sorrow or repentance or regret. His, his, his reaction is, I'm just mad, right? And, and I don't know about you. I, I can get with Cain on that. I'm good. I can excuse. I can blame others like Adam and Eve did last week of like, oh, it was his fault. Oh, it was the serpent's fault. We can blame. We can excuse. And sometimes you can't. There's like, there's just no way you can blame somebody else. It's so like, what could Cain do? Like, no, he brought his offering. He knew what he did, right? He knew that he did correctly on paper what he was supposed to do, but God isn't looking at correct on paper. He's looking from the beginning to today. He's looking at your heart, right? He says, they will worship me vainly with their lips, and I'm looking at their heart. So Cain knew, and instead of like remorse or falling down, or a, it was anger. And we, and we anger at, what, at everything, and specifically <laughs> the same as I do sometimes, Right? If, if Chauncey was up here earlier, if Chauncey and I had taken the same test, and we, we, uh, we didn't know each other when we were in high school, but we worked like at the same store in the mall, him in Chicago, me in Winston-Salem. Like we have a lot uh, in common in our lives. So I could see us in high school together. And, and we took the same test, and it comes back, and I was excited that I felt like I was ready and nailed the test. Right? And I look at my paper, and I get that C minus, right? That I, and I needed a B to get my grade where whatever, I needed that, right? So I'm looking at my C minus, and then I look over at, at my friend, and Chauncey's got that big fat 100 circled like they used to do back in the day on his paper, same test, right? I don't know who you were in high school today, but let me tell you who I wasn't. I wasn't the like, good job, bro. I am proud of you, man. I nailed that, right? That's not me. Why? Because his 100 spotlights my lack of. Right? So there's always people, and now, like what Cain and Abel didn't have, thank God, is social media. Right? Right? Like, so you could see that. But what, what is so easy, easier than it's ever been, is to see other people's uh, success or perceived success, and we should be honoring and grateful and loving that, but it's so, so easy to allow where somebody else is or where their faith is or where they're succeeding or excelling, and instead of loving and honoring and applauding that, it's so easy to take that as your success only makes me mad because it tells me and reminds me of where I'm not. So people become the enemy. People become uh, just a source of anger and sometimes God's blessing, right? Fear of missing out 
spiritually can be, I don't want to miss out on God's blessing. And there's some good in that. But sometimes when you're praying for a blessing and you're seeking blessing and you're seeing God bless everywhere, seemingly except for your house, then it can be naturally this fear of missing out. And instead of dealing with God and coming to God with that, we get jealous. Or in Cain's case, we just get mad. Here's the beautiful piece of that that is so encouraging for us today versus where they were at, Cain and Abel. Um, it, it is, this, I didn't know I was going to talk about this till last night. So um, our basketball team, sometimes um, they bless the coach with gifts, right? Coach, sometimes, you know, you get, a, you get something just... A, so months ago, um, one of the dads on the team, one of the girls that I coach, uh, brought me his homemade salsa, right? And I'm, I'm about salsa, and it was good until until I tasted it. And I was like, this, there's got to be something illegal in this. It's that good, right? So last night, he surprised me. He dropped out of the house and he, I haven't seen a jar, mason jar of this since like December when I tasted it the first time. And it's like happy Mother's Day to me, right? This stuff is amazing. So the first time I got it though, so I didn't know what it was going to be. You know, you're thankful, you know, homemade stuff from other people's house and hands. It's like, yeah, you know, all right. But then, but then I got into it that first night and, and like the message, I got, I got like 20% of it. I knocked out that night. And it was like this stuff. I don't even know how to describe it to you. It's just next level. All right. And it was for me. Came home two nights later. I'm thinking, I'm bad like that. I'm thinking about what my night's going to be, where I'm going to sit and this specific salsa. And I go to the fridge that night, a couple nights later, and it is 60% gone, 40% left. Right. So there's a hole like it was here. And now this Mesa jar. And I'm like, Losing my mind, man. My kids like that's for all of us. Like, that's not for all of us. You don't coach. That was for. They specifically said that was for me, and they're like, "No, it's delicious." And they were all in that. And and you know, as a loving Jesus-following dad, you know, I no, it was none of that. I was like, "What? No, no, no. Hands off. I don't have. I it's got to be in the fridge. I can't hide it in the fridge. Don't touch." Because here's where I'm coming from. Right? I want you to enjoy and eat, and I want my kids to enjoy good things and, and even maybe have a bite of my salsa. The problem is we can't go to the store and get this. So when you eat a bite of it, that's a bite I can't have. Right? So it's not, oh, enjoy. Isn't it good? Isn't it so good? I'm not thinking that. Maybe I should. What I'm thinking is every bite you take is a bite I don't get. Right? Why? Because of, un, you know, of limited supply. And some of us, this is going to be so freeing for you because you're living your life like there's limited supply. Here's the beautiful truth today. There is unlimited supply of God's blessing and grace. First service. Come on. First service. Clap. That's like second service dancing, right? So we're getting there. We're getting there. Listen. We, we, I, not we, I, when my brothers gets blessed, sometimes just in my natural way, humans like, well, that blessing that he got means I don't get. And that's not true. God's never going to run out. It's not contained. He loves to bless. He loves to pour his grace on our lives. We don't have to ration it and we don't have to, we don't have to get upset at each other because you stole my, like, there's none of that. But it was with Cain, and he was feeling that and thinking that. So he's mad, and his face fell. So how does God respond to an angry face fallen Cain? Verse 6, the Lord said, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? Right? And this is really tricky because it's God speaking out loud, like I'm speaking to you to man. It's how it was at that time. 
right? And tone, and we don't get all that. This is, you know, translated over many years, but, but that's an important to think through. Why? Why are you angry? This is, this is God's heart. Yes, there's a difference in your offerings, but that's not the end of anything. Like, why are you mad? Like, you shorted me. I'm the one that should be mad. He wasn't. God, there's not anger in this, in this question. You're, you're ang- why are you angry? Why is your face down? Come on. And then he says, verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? All right, now this is tough. Gospel-centered church, right? We preached the gospel for almost eight years, and it's changed lives. It's changing lives, not because how or, you know, or who or what. It's the power of the gospel. The gospel says... Right, that we're rescued and adopted, that we can't rescue ourselves, and that God's love is unconditional, that he's relentless. His love never runs out. He never gives up on us. And here's God seemingly, if you hear it wrong, coming like that dad. Hey, if you do the right thing, everything will be fine. Right? right? And, and, and if you do well, it says, Right? You, there must have been a command and instruction. There's no chance that God is going to say this. So we, we must, there must have been a command that we don't get access to in all the timeline where God said, here's what I want you to do. I want offering. And what does he want? This is so beautiful that God hasn't changed from the beginning to the end to today, from Genesis all through it, that God's still looking for the same thing. Just do what you're supposed to do. No, that's not what is in there. What he's saying when he says, hey, if you do well, if you do the right thing, what is the right thing? The right thing. Remember, Hebrews told us that the difference in the offerings was faith. It was trust. He doesn't want you to check the box. What he desperately wants from you is your faith. It is your trust. It is your surrender. And like today, what is true when you're talking about, I'm, I'm a shepherd and I'm feeding my family through this and I got the fat portion, the salsa, the good stuff. And I don't like, I want to like, that's a trust issue. Do I want to give that to God? There's areas of your life. It may be financial. It may not be. There's areas of your life today that God is calling you to surrender to him. And the areas of your life that he wants you to surrender him that are hard, that's where the money's at. That is where the change happens. When you surrender the hard stuff, man, God always moves and shows up and reminds you and teaches you that he is with you and real and all the things that's so easy to, to doubt. If you do well, won't you be accepted? What does it mean? It means... It doesn't, it doesn't mean, hey, obey the rules and God will accept you. No, 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 no. That's easy to read that into it from our American. Like, that's not the con. That's not what it's teaching. What it's teaching is, if you'll trust me, that's my only thing I request and require of you is your faith. If you'll trust what I said, if you'll trust to give me your best, if you'll trust to worship me like your brother did, then I want this for you, Cain. I want to bless you. I'm not withholding. I'm not excited to tell you the truth that, hey, I, I don't look at your offering as the same. All right? There's none of that in there. It's I love you. Here's, here's what's so fun to preach on this stage, whether it's me or Raph or Joy or whoever is up here. Man, we, every week, it is impossible. I, I, a lot of my job, I say I speak for a living. It is impossible for me to overstate verbally God's love for you. 
right? I can overstate some other things. I can mess up some other things. I could, I could try to use all the flowery words. I could spend a whole week doing nothing but praying and seeking, how can I help you? And I verbalize how much, there's no way I can go too far. There's no way I can say something that would be overstating how much God loves you. It's the story of this relentless God. It's the story of scripture. It's the story of life is God's love. So you have to bring that into this conversation. And when he says, hey, if, if you would do the right thing, if you do, if you, it means I want relationship with you. I'm not okay with sacrifice. I'm not okay with you just checking the box. That doesn't do anything for my heart, right? Remember in Hebrews, we quote this all the time that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We know what he's about. He loves our faith. And it goes on to say, anybody who comes to him, two requirements. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He loves it when you trust him. Not trust him like I believe in you, but actually life move. And that's what offering does. It kind of takes the do I believe in God and it breaks it down to what am I going to do out of that? My love that prompts me to obedience. Obedience has to come out of love and God is coming to Cain and like, listen, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing better about your brother. If you will come to me, I got you. I want you. I accept you. But then he says the other side, the next sentence says, if you do not do well. Some of you, the God you know, if you don't do well, I'm going to punish you. That's not what he said. He said, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Here we go again. Every chapter, two, three, and four, we see the same that we have an enemy, that we have something that's after us. It's crouching. Its desire is contrary to you, meaning sin is against you, and you must rule over it. Either sin's going to rule you or you're going to rule it. How do you rule sin? Not on your own. That's only through Jesus. All that comes later. In this conversation, it's this deadly combo that we know all too well, that yes, we, we, we can't we can't get mad at God when we go through stuff, right? When we're tempted, right? And there's some theologies that may like, well, God set up that trap to see if you would step in it or not. That's not good theology. It's not true. We have this deadly combination. I, in myself, have a proclivity. That's a big word, right? I have a tendency. I have a desire for evil, right? And when I say evil, don't think like mass murder stuff. That's evil. But the, in evil is anything against what God said is good and right and true. So I have a desire for evil. That's in me. I don't need anybody's help with that. But I do have a tempter. I do have an enemy, an adversary. There is a, a fallen angel named Satan that hates me, hates my family, hates our church, and he desires to deceive. That's what we've seen for three straight weeks. He is the expert in deception. So those two things come together. Here's how James, brother of Jesus, didn't believe Jesus was legit. If you're not sure about Jesus, like you would get along with James. His brother claimed to be the son of God. And James like, no way, <laughs> until he saw him raised from the dead. And that changed everything. He wrote one of the letters in the New Testament. And he says, James 1, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Sin gives birth eventually to death. So it's my own evil desire, and don't act like you don't have one. We all have it in common. That's why we can just smile and love and be free. Like we're never going to have a new person come into Relentless Church that it doesn't have some level of desire for sin and evil. And we are enticed. 
sometimes by that evil desire and often by outside spiritual forces. Those things work together. So back to 4-7. It's desire is contrary to you. Sin's desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So here's the moment where God's come to Cain, and he's just like, come on, Cain. Come on, you know, you, you, you messed up, all right? And it's just an opportunity for me to tell you what I really want. I don't want a better offering. I want your heart. Your heart is going to result in a better offering. But I'm not trying to get to the better offering. I'm trying to get to your heart. And I want you to come near me. I don't want you to mail it in. I don't want you to just sign your name on a Mother's Day card. I want a relationship with you. I want intimacy with you. I want love. I want, I want, like, you're created in the image of God. I just, this is different. I created so we can have this thing and you're missing it. Here's Cain's response. Verse 8, Cain didn't speak to God. He spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Seems a little drastic, right? Offering was better than mine. We have the first, this chapter, we have the first mother and we have the first murder. And the reason is because Cain believed the lie that it was all about him and Abel, that his Obedience, Abel's obedience shined the light on Cain's disobedience, and that light made him so enraged that instead of hearing from God and listening to God and repenting and coming to God, he just decided to erase the person who was highlighting his failure. And we get that, right? If I tear you down, I'll feel a little better, at least momentarily. The issue here was between Cain and and God, but it's always to easier, it's always easier to rise up against people than bow down before God, right? It's always, that's in our flesh, it's always easier just to, to rant, right, to post, to tear down, in this case, to actually murder and make the issue between you and people when the issue is almost always, or it is always, between you and God. Verse 9, the Lord then said to Cain, he asked him a question he knew the answer to, where is Abel, your brother? And this is, maybe heard this verse, didn't know it was from Cain. He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. So this God who he knows, knows all. Like we're so, we get so out of our minds when we sin and sin's crouching at the door and we give in. He knows God knows, and he still lies to his face. I don't know where he is, right? Is, am I my brother's keeper? God proceeds to curse Cain, curse the ground. There's all kinds of awful ramifications from this first murder. It ended bad for Cain. It obviously ended bad for Abel, who dies. It, it's got to be tough on Adam and Eve, right? Like, happy Mother's Day. You were the mother of the first two boys ever, and one killed the other. Where do you go from there? right? So it's a tough all around. And when we for today, what matters? What matters is what caused this murder, right? Remember, God is talking to Cain. Hey, if, you, if you'll come to me, I'll accept you like there's nothing, like there's nobody outside. There's nobody in this room that's outside, like you're just stuck on the outside of God's love. No, come, 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 come on. Trust me and you'll see that I'm true. You'll see that I'm real. But if you don't, there's sin crouching at the door. The point of this fear of missing out, there's an enemy that we all share and he's gonna come at you a little different than he comes at me. The commonality is he's deceptive. That's his 
playing you. That's his calling card. He wants to deceive you. It all starts in your mind, what you think, what you see when you look in the mirror, when you think about God, when you all, it's, it's all mental. And if you want to listen to whoever, whatever, instead of God, there is an evil. There is an evil that is crouching at your door. You hear me? Like if I tell you, if I, if I went to the screen and some of you that got the ring stuff on, you know, the doorbell stuff where you can see your house and I could, you know, I'm sure we could do that technologically. If I could snap my fingers and we saw your house, your doorbell, and there's people going in and just like taking your stuff or worse, harming people at your house and we're watching that, you're not watching that for more than two seconds, right? You're out. If, if, if you understand what God is teaching our church right now, it is not, it's not good, bad, or how you're doing or where you're at with Jesus, sin is crouching at your door. You have to be aware. People are like, well, everything happens for a reason. Like, put all this stuff on God. No, Cain killed Abel not because everything happened for a reason. The reason was Cain was deceived. Right? We sin. We choose. Uh, Peter, way later in the New Testament, he says it this way, be sober-minded, be watchful, because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's true and real and let me go back to our Easter message. If you're here, four Ds. Remember Easter message that Jesus through death destroyed the devil? Did he destroy him? No, he still exists. But what does it mean? He destroyed the devil and then delivered us. That's the fourth D. What is that? He destroyed the devil's power. Right? The devil owned us because death was coming and we couldn't defeat death and we were going to die and that was the end of that. Right? But Jesus came and through his death, sacrificially, he destroyed the devil and delivered us from the fear of death and the bondage we've known our whole existence as human. He defeated the one thing we don't have an answer for and he did it easily and well in a weekend. Now your enemy and my enemy has one card he can play. All he can do is lie. That's it. Now, it's powerful and sometimes effective, but he can't come take you. He can't, t- he, can't, he can't change your repentance. He can't change your forever. He can't change your rescue. He can't change your adoption. He can't change your identity. He can't change the love that your creator has for you. He can't change any of that. All he can do is lie. So as a church, we have got to know how to battle together and have each other's back for deception and for these lies. And the way we're going to do that today is just introduce you to a prayer that's simple, but my goodness, it's so powerful. It simply says, and you can pray this in your own words, not mine, but here's my words. Purify my heart and my mind from the lies I'm tempted to believe. It's not magic word. It's not a spell. It's not Harry Potter stuff. It is the heart of, okay, there's stuff that I can't see. But could you purify, purify my heart and my mind from the lie? We're all tempted to believe lies. That's not bad. That's what makes you human. Purify my mind from the lies. The stuff I believe about life that I'm going to find out one day is absolutely not true. Wouldn't you want to know that now? God will step into that prayer. That's why it's dangerous. It's simple. God will step. You're here today. You're like, I don't even know if I believe in God. It's okay. Pray that. God, if you're there, help me realize some lies about life that I believe, if you're there. He will show up. And as parents, my goodness, parenting tip. And we try to parent our kids and we could do so much better. Like when you act out and do crazy, yes, we got consequences, all that, but can we identify the lie that you believed in that bad decision? It's important. And I'm gonna transition from, as I talk about parents, 
Because there's so many lies that we believe as parents, right? I can't do this. Uh, the whole issue comparing our kids to other kids. and all, like, There's all kinds of stuff that gets in our heads. And we just need to trust God and depend on him. And we get to end this service, like I told you before, uh, by dedicating some babies. And this is, a, this is an opportunity as a church. It takes a church. It takes a community to come around and to uplift and to pray because I would, I see some of these youngins in the room, and I would think, man, the enemy would be off limits as they become older kids. Like, Satan shouldn't be able to mess with people until they're a certain age, but that's just not reality. And our prayers as a community and for these kids matter, right? So we get to do this as a church. Uh, we get to do this on stage, and I want you to be a part of it. It's a powerful thing. Again, we're going to do this again, seven, eight, nine months. If you'd like to dedicate a baby or a child, we say child because the pandemic, we didn't do this. So some of you had babies and now they're, you know, they're, they're much older than babies. And we, we're, we're thrilled to, to dedicate whoever you want to dedicate um, when we do this again. But I'm going to call uh, Takesha and the team up and they're going to take it from here. TDR, that's my new nickname. This is, uh, would you give a hand for Takesha Dockery Raglan? Do you need this? Uh, 